if we haven't met before, my name is Matt Wheeler, and I'm the student pastor here at the Noblesville campus. Um, my wife and I have been here two years now, uh, but the first year that we were here, I was not on staff. Um, the first year we were here, um, I had a background in ministry, um, but I was currently working in the marketplace, and Genesis was our church home. So sometime in that first year, uh, we were here most Sundays, and um, one Sunday, Ben Krause, our former groups and disciple-making pastor, was here, and he was preaching. We were seated somewhere here in the middle section toward the back of the room, and during his sermon, um, my wife leans over to whisper to me what she feels is a word from the Lord. You're going to do that again someday which is really encouraging in that season of life. I wanted to be back in ministries, but she said it. I received it. It was awesome. It was just interesting to me that she didn't tell me that on a Sunday when Steve was preaching or when Paul was preaching, but when the only other bald pastor was preaching. If you don't know Ben, Ben is bald. So anyway, nevertheless, this morning, uh, the word of the Lord through her has come true when another bald pastor is preaching. Um, we're delighted to be here. I'm so glad to be a part of Genesis. I, I said this in first service, but Abby and I, we loved being a part of Genesis in that first year that we were here uh, and just a part of the community like you guys are. But since I've come on staff and we've gotten to get even more invested in the church through GSM and connecting with more families, we love the church even more. So uh, getting to work closely with people like Will and other people who are serving in GSM, if you don't know the leaders, they are incredible. Uh, getting to know students like Brooke and, and others and the Dinius family and other families in GSM, also incredible. Um, but we love being here, we love getting to serve with you guys and, and being here on Sunday mornings, getting to know so many more of you as well. It's awesome to be here. But uh, I want to say a quick word, if you're in middle school or high school or if you have a middle schooler or a high schooler and you're, they're not connected in GSM, I want to invite them to be a part of what we're doing and what God's doing there. I'm seeing God do awesome things in the lives of students and through the lives of students as well. Students are growing closer together, uh, closer to him, and it's special to watch. It's nothing about what I'm doing and what our leaders are doing, but God is doing something in them and they're responding. And I want to invite you to be a part of that, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus right now or with others. Um, there's a place for you in GSM as a middle schooler or high schooler. So quick plug for GSM, that's it. Um, Today, uh, I get to preach from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, which Brooke read for us this morning. Uh, before we dive into that, um, let's pause uh, and pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the families that are here, kids, all the way on up. Uh, God, as we are gathered here, I pray that your word would do what it says that it will do, that it will, it will go out and produce fruit in our lives, God. So, um, as your word is read, God, may our hearts be open and may we receive uh, what it is that you want us to receive today, that, that specific thing that you want us to, to know or uh, hold tightly or act on. God, may we hear it and respond to it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to first ask you what may be a bit of an odd question, but it's a question that was asked uh, at our conferences this summer. How many of you have a junk drawer in your house? Okay, I thought so. Uh, if I had to guess, everyone in here has a junk drawer of sorts. This is, this is actually my junk drawer. Um, this isn't even all of it. It was overflowing when I pulled it out of my kitchen this morning, but this is ours. And for you, it may not be a drawer. It may be a closet or a basket or it may be your vehicle. It's all, it's, it's junk. I don't know what it looks like for you. Um, but whatever, whatever shape it takes, most of us have a junk drawer. But why? What's the purpose of a junk drawer? Well, it's where we put all the items that we think that we might need again one day. 
Kids, I don't know what you have in your junk drawer at home. Maybe you could tell me that, but I'm guessing it's somewhat like the items I have here. Um, I have batteries. These have been used, and they don't seem to work, but we keep them in case you pair it with the right battery and it works again. Um, We have pens that we know don't have any ink in them, but it might someday, again, somehow. I don't know. Flashlights that don't work. There's lots of things in here. Uh, I don't know what you have in your junk drawer, uh, but I know in ours at my house, it's filled with things that we will never use again, but we hold on to them. Why do we do that? Because at some point in our lives, these things served a purpose. They met a need, uh, and we're worried maybe that one day we'll need them again, and they'll be there to step in and help us. Junk drawers also have a habit of traveling with us. So if you've moved from one home to another, you've probably taken your old junk into your new home. You may have even like wanted to like really take good care of it. So you made a box and you wrote junk drawer on it to make sure that your old junk was safely transitioned into its new spot in your new house. Um, it also goes through other transitions in life with us. Uh, like if you get married, um, you can, maybe you combine junk drawers with your spouse because in marriage, two become one. This is what you do. Um, there's nothing wrong with having a junk drawer. Most of us probably have them. But what if we apply the same idea of a junk drawer to our lives and our relationship with Jesus? What might that look like? When it comes to our lives, I think our junk drawers are a place where we keep things, things that maybe we found somehow life-giving or meaningful, uh, things that brought us some sort of satisfaction or pleasure. In Scripture, um, some of these things could also be referred to as idols. Um, Some of these things may be sinful. But maybe other things aren't. Maybe some of them are actually good things, but our mindset toward them isn't good. And when we approach good things with the wrong mindset, with an unchristian mindset, uh, with unspiritual mindset, then something needs to change. And this could be the way that we approach a lot of things. And it could be the way that we approach money. And we're obsessed about how much money we have, or we're obsessed about how little we have and we need more. Or it could be the way that we approach our work. And it's not just... It's not just work, but it's a relentless career and it's constant striving to not just be good, but to be on top, to be the best. Or maybe it's how we approach our relationships, such as our friendships. And um, in our friendships, it's, it's all hanging out. It's all making memories together, but there's no depth. There's no challenging each other. There's no making each other better or pointing each other to Jesus. Or maybe it's our dating relationship. And we're overwhelmed with being single and consumed with finding a date. Or maybe it could be the way that we approach our marriage. Again, a good thing, but the way we approach it is we're seeking the perfect marriage. Working on getting your spouse to change because obviously your spouse needs to change. It's not you. Abby, it's me. (laughs) I know it's me. I, I need to change. It's me. Or maybe in marriage you're just always comparing your marriage to other people's. Or maybe it's the way that you you approach your family and your mindset toward that. And you're trying to have the perfect kids. And so you're overbearing. And you have so many expectations that they are exasperated. But maybe it's not relationships. It can be other things too that we approach with the wrong mindset. Like our hobbies and our passions. Like following professional sports or participating in youth sports. Or whatever else it is that you're passionate about, your hobby is. And you can allow it to take over your social life and your spiritual life. Or maybe it's your image. And because you want to look a certain way, um, you're not real with people. And nobody really knows you. And you're overly demanding of your family and yourself. 
Maybe it's something else. I don't know what it is that you have in your junk drawer in your life that kind of gets in the way of you and your relationship with Jesus. But um, I think as Christians, if we're following Jesus, I think a lot of us have to recognize that it's not only idols and things from our, fat, our past that we fill in our junk drawers. I think after putting our faith in Jesus, many of us have also added to our junk drawers things like keeping a lot of religious rules. Again, many of which are good, and I'm going to name a few, good things, but we approach them with the wrong mindset, with the wrong motivation, um, maybe in the wrong way, like doing them because they make us feel good. Maybe feel good about ourselves or feel good about our relationship to God and that we're somehow making it better by doing these things and changing the way he feels about us. And this may be the way we approach things like attending church every week. We have to be at church every week because, again, a good thing. Otherwise, what's that going to mean for me and God? Like if we're not there every week, does he not feel the same about me? Or it's the way we approach serving in the church, how much money we give to the church, um, reading our Bible every day, memorizing Bible verses, praying every day, um, praying over a certain list of things or praying for so much time every day, um, learning more through books or podcasts or studies that we, we just need to know more to get closer to God. We have to know more. Um, or maybe it's accumulating experiences with God because if we don't have these intense, emotional, impactful, deep moments with the Lord, then is it real? Am I actually close? How does he feel about me? Or maybe it's these radical acts of devotion for God, and this is what brings us close together or else we're, we're further apart. Or maybe it's something else. I'm just trusting that you know what it is for you if, if this applies to you. Here's the thing about all of this. I'm not sure what you have stored in your junk drawer. And it may not all be bad. But in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the Apostle Paul makes a statement that creates somewhat of a problem for the junk drawers in our lives. So if you have a Bible this morning, uh, you can open it up uh, to Galatians chapter 2. And I'll give you a bit of background for this. Um, this short book is a letter from the Apostle Paul um, to the churches in the region of Galatia. And this is modern-day Turkey. And Paul loved these churches because he helped establish them during his first missionary journey. Um, so if you begin to read through this book, it doesn't take getting very far into it. Even the first chapter, just the first so many verses, and you realize the purpose, the intent behind his letter, why he's writing this. The churches were being persuaded by a new and a different message from the true gospel that he had originally preached to them. The gospel that Paul preached was the one given to him by Jesus Christ himself. He makes that clear. And it's the gospel that we preach here at Genesis. This gospel, the true gospel, is the good news that proclaims to all people that though we are all sinners and can never measure up to the holy and perfect standards of the living God, yet through faith in God's son, Jesus Christ, who died for the sins of all people, you and I can be made right with God. We can be justified before God. So if I was going to like sum it up for the kids or for all of us who like things simple, um, the true gospel goes like this. Our sins are forgiven through faith in Christ alone. We are accepted by God as a result of his grace when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Period. And nothing else. Kids in the room, if you're tuned out, if you're coloring right now, you're going to come back, back to that in a moment, but listen to me for a minute. I know this to be true. I'm a father. Um, I've learned some things, but I also knew this before anyway. Your mom and dad, you don't have to earn their love. They just love you. You can't earn it. Um, you can't do something to lose it. They love you because you're their child. 
And this is true for all of us, for everybody in the room, kids, adults alike, in our relationship with the Lord. Um, we can't earn God's acceptance. We are accepted by God simply through our faith in Jesus. So the problem here in Galatians was that the churches in Galatia were being convinced that there was more that they had to do, that they, they had to do something to be made right with God, that along with their faith, there were, there were laws and spiritual practices that must be followed if they wanted to be in right standing with God. So if the true gospel is that, you know, we're made right with God through faith in Christ alone, then false gospels are that we're made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ plus something. So I, want, I hope you hear me when I say this. Any gospel message that says we are made right with God through faith in Jesus plus something is false. It's entirely false. Any message like that is not good news. It throws away the sufficiency of God's grace in Jesus. It diminishes the power of what Jesus did on the cross to reconcile us back to God. And instead of him doing it for us, it makes us somehow earn it. That is not good news. A Christ plus something gospel is a heresy. It's a lie. And it has to be strongly, firmly, repeatedly opposed. And that's why that as we get into the book of Galatians, as, as Paul begins speaking to the churches here, he pleads with them, encouraging them to realize that they don't need any laws or regulations to prove to God that they're worthy enough. They can't make themselves worthy. Paul also realized in himself that while God's laws are perfect, they are perfect, they are holy, they are righteous, yes, but he also describes them as death to all people. And why does he say that? Because none of us can be made right with God by abiding by them. Even if we did it perfectly, we still couldn't be made right with God. It doesn't work. So as Paul continues to, to point the church to the true gospel, uh, in chapter 2 of Galatians, Paul makes this bold proclamation. Brooke read it earlier. We're going to read it again here now. This is uh, chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what Paul is claiming here about himself is also true for all of us who have placed our faith in Jesus. When we do that, when we put our faith in Jesus, it is as though that we have died. We have died to our old self and our old ways. And yes, that death is, it's a death to our old sinful habits, but it's also death to those things that once gave us life, to those things that we did to feel good about ourselves. But just as Jesus lives now, so we also live. But it's not us in like new skin. It's an entirely different life. It's Christ's spirit living in us. He lives in us. He guides us. The spirit leads us to express our faith in Jesus. And this is good news. But I also believe that it can be really difficult news for us to, to receive. Because something about us people is that we have this relentless need to self-justify. Which just means that we have a desire, a need to prove ourselves to be right. We don't like to be wrong. Do you? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't. Um, we also don't like to be told that something that we've done is bad. I don't. I can see these tendencies in myself. But the gospel says that self-justification, 
doesn't, doesn't work. We can't do it. We also have this tendency that we want to work really, really hard to earn something. But hard work doesn't do it either. We cannot obtain God's righteousness through our own self-righteousness. So whether we like it or not, no matter what we do or don't do, we can't make ourselves right with God. And this is the problem that the church in Galatia was struggling with. And I think it's the same struggle that we all deal with today. You see, the challenge of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, is actually learning how to let go of all of these things, these old things that we think that we need, or these things that we think that we need to achieve for God. And instead, we let it go and instead allow Jesus to come in and to satisfy all of those needs and expectations. It's believing that what God has done for us in Jesus is better. It's enough. It's sufficient. And it's the life that he has for us is better than whatever we're holding on to in our junk drawer. So that's why in the very next verse, Paul writes this in verse 21, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. I do not set aside the grace of God. It is our natural human fleshly desire to try to fix everything and try to achieve everything on our own. We all have this junk in our past and there's probably a ton more of it in our future. But our standing with God will not change based on that. Our standing with God will never change based on the good that we do or the mistakes that we, we make because our standing with God was never bent on that in the first place. It's Christ alone. So as Paul goes later on, uh, it, right into the, to the Galatians, he says this, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again? Why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? So for the Galatians, it was actually going back to, to the old pagan gods where it was. They had to earn it. They had to make these sacrifices. They had to do these things to be right with their God. They wanted to go back to that. They were tempted. And I think for us, we can be tempted as well to go back to our old ways, to head back to our junk chore and because we think somehow it will satisfy. I believe as Christians that this is one of the greatest temptations that we'll face, to, that after handing our lives over to Jesus, we'll pick it back up again. We'll take it right back. And yet our response should be this. It should be repentance and gratefulness. If you don't know what repentance is, it's this picture that you're moving one way, and that one way, it's away from God. And yet, when you repent, you turn around and you orient yourself back to God. You're moving his direction. And this, this is our response. And many of us in this room have probably repented of past sins or even present sins. And I think we should continue to do this. But something that we also need to repent of and turn from is seeking to be made right by our own self-righteousness. It doesn't do it. So instead of self-righteousness and stuff like that, it's just turning back to God in repentance and thanking him for his incredible, never-ending, all-sufficient grace in Jesus. So when we make a mistake, and we'll probably make mistakes, instead of setting aside God's grace, we should embrace it all the more. And this applies to everybody in this room, whether you're five years old or you're 105. For all of us, this is true. And I love this quote from pastor and commentator David Guzik. He says, this, the only way to have a right relationship with God is not on the basis of what you can do for him, 
but on the basis of what Jesus has done for you. So what is our response to the God who has freely given himself for us? The message of Galatians is that it's just faith. It's just faith. So as we read Galatians 2.20 again, uh, it, it's, it's, it's emphasized that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we choose doing and earning and achieving instead of simply resting resting in what Jesus has done for us and receiving it by faith, we miss out. We miss out on the love of God and we miss out on the joy of following him through our faith, the joy of our salvation. Near the end of his letter, Paul just describes this life of faith. Um, and he says it this way. This is Galatians 5, 24 and 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I want to live this way. I want to live this life of faith because faith is something you live out. It is a life. Every day I want to be able to say, just as the Apostle Paul was able to say, that I have been crucified with Christ, I no longer live. That I have died to my old self and its ways, whatever it is that I have there, and that life is gone. My flesh is dead and a new life has begun. Now Christ's spirit lives in me. This life I now live in the body, it's not mine. It's not the same way. I, I live it in a new way through Christ's spirit, and I choose to live by faith. Faith in God's son, Jesus, who loved me so much that he freely gave his son, Jesus, for me so that I could truly live. Today, uh, here in our service, we're going to celebrate baptisms. It's going to be awesome. It's right after this. Um, six people are choosing uh, to respond to the gospel by placing their faith in Jesus Christ to make them right with God and taking a step of obedience by being baptized. And baptism is this awesome picture, this beautiful representation of what is actually happening somehow inwardly in us that um, as we are baptized, when you go down into the water, it represents this death, death to your old self, your old ways, your old sin, your old way of living. Um, and then as you come up out of the water, you're raised to a new life. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so you are raised to new life as well. A few people are responding to the, to the gospel this way today, and that's going to be awesome to celebrate. But I, we want to invite everybody to be able to respond to this. So for you, if, if you've never chosen to follow Jesus before, if you've never chosen to place your faith in him because you feel like you have to earn it, because you have to do something, but there's, there's too much bad in your past. You've not made, done enough good to kind of level things out. And you need to do that before you come to faith in Jesus. I want to tell you, you can't earn it. Stop trying. Don't try. Um, just believe that faith is enough. Because that's the message of Galatians. That's, that's the gospel. That it's just our faith. So if that's you this morning, and I just want to help you unload that burden and say, Come to Jesus in faith that he's done everything. And yes, there's a life of faith to live after this, but come in faith. Um, come talk to a pastor. Come let us pray with you. Come let us talk with you about what that looks like. Um, we'd love to talk with you about baptism, but please come forward here later after baptisms and talk to us about that. But if you're a Christian in the room and you're already following Jesus, um, and yet you find yourself struggling with 
but how you think God views you. That, yes, you, you placed your faith in Jesus and that made you right with God. And yet now it's like you're, you're stressed about that, to, that list of things, that list of religious rules that you have to do this, like reading your Bible or praying so much. Or else, like, are you right with God anymore? Are, are you good? Are you okay? Or if you keep on sinning in some ways and these, these things that from your, your past are coming back in, like, does that impact your relationship with God? If you're wrestling with that, if you're burdened by that, I want to tell you, it's just faith that makes us right. It's just faith. So unload that burden. That's not yours to carry. Jesus did that. Yes, there's a life of faith. Yes, true faith expresses itself through obedience to Jesus and through guidance of his spirit. But it's not how you earn it. So unload that burden. If we can pray for you, we want to pray for you about that as well. And for anybody else in the room as well that um, maybe has chosen to follow Jesus as well, and yet um, you look at your life and the life before following Jesus versus the life after looks no different at all. Like all the junk is still there. You brought it into the new life and there's no new life. There's no obedience to Jesus. There's no guidance by his Holy Spirit. I want to challenge you that true, life, true faith does express itself through obedience to Jesus and through guidance of his Holy Spirit. Um, so... If you ask yourself the question, is my faith true? Is it real? If this looks the same, um, I'd love to encourage you, challenge you, pray with you that you could let go of the sin of the past and the struggles of the past and live this new life that he came that we might live. So we're about to celebrate baptism. It's going to be wonderful. Um, again, you're going to see people respond. I'm going to invite you to respond as well. Um, before we do that, uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, I thank you so much for your grace um, that the penalty that was meant for us, uh, that we deserved anyway, um, that you took it on ourselves so we don't have to do anything to be made right with you, that Jesus accomplished that through what he did on the cross and that we are made right with you through our faith. Thank you that it's so easy. That it's, it's so amazing that that's all it takes. It's, it's an act of faith. And then we're filled with your spirit and we follow you in obedience and through the guidance and the power of your spirit. It's amazing. So Father, may this message of faith, may the true gospel, may it penetrate our, our hearts this morning. May you speak to us through it. And God, may you lead us to respond in whatever ways. If that's just gratefulness and praise and thanking you for, for that this is it. Or repentance and turning back to you, but not turning back and feeling burdened down, but with the joy of your spirit empowers us to do this. Um, God, whatever it is, may you speak to us in our hearts this morning and lead us in the way that you want us to go. Draw us to yourself. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.